0: My name is Marzi. I'm here with the one and only fantastic Noah DaCosta. We are at South by Southwest in Sydney. Currently, we're uh, side of stage at the uh, Civic Underground, ahead of the set of the person that we are here to talk to today, the one and only El Shimada. El, how are you going?
1: I'm amazing. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's really good to be here. I feel like we finally got here. um, Yeah. Yeah super excited and thank you for having us.
0: Of course, of having course. Having me. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. How, what's your experience been like so far at South by Southwest?
1: Well, we got here late Tuesday, but I played my first showcase last night at Phoenix um, Central Park. And that was really, really, really special. Um, I was really nervous about, I don't know, showcases and I guess all the pressure that comes with it. But I felt really, really held. Um, in the show like uh, audience was really there for it and uh, the last song i literally was held by my bandmates like they just like came and hugged me as like we played the last song and was like really really cute um yeah i feel grateful no that's
2: that's amazing that's amazing i imagine it's you're gonna mention the pressure i imagine like showcasing versus performing just just an actual regular set there's a completely different Mm -hmm. feeling that that comes with that Generally speaking, you know, you've had such an eclectic journey. We'll get to that in a bit. But I'm curious to know, like, I know music and art was a big part of your upbringing. But at what points did performance come in? And is it something that feels quite natural to you? Or did you kind of have to adjust to it as you formed your art in that sense?
1: Great, great question. And there's so much to it. I'm going to maybe start by showcasing and performance quickly. And I'll get to the core of the question. Mm -hmm. I feel like the biggest difference I realized in showcasing is I felt like I had to get something out of it, where when I'm performing, I don't get so so nervous because I guess we work on music for months and months, right? Like from when the song gets birthed to producing it, recording it and, you know, all that process. So by the time that we get to perform, it's a celebration and I feel like It's a humble gift and yeah I guess I come from like a place of like hey we've been working for this for on this for a while like can I please offer this to you to the audience so yeah I don't get super nervous about that but I got really nervous about showcasing because I was like oh I need to get a record label deal or I need to get I don't know get something and as soon as I got, I stood on the stage and I looked at this room full of industry people, you know, there's radio, there's press, and there's record owners or maybe booking agents, all these people who I would love to work with in the future. I realized we're all music lovers, you know, like we are here because we are doing music and I got the gift of playing it or composing it and playing it and someone else got the gift of delivering it or protecting it or, you know, spreading it wide to the fine while to the airwaves like you yep. guys. And, um, yeah, so I don't know. As soon as I kind of felt that, I was a nervous or, like, I felt like there was not much differences between showcasing and performances. Yeah, and I was lucky enough to grow up in a creative family. My mother was a singer when she was younger, and... I grew up in Tokyo, Japan, where for a woman to keep pursuing music after motherhood was a challenge or not something that she could do. So I guess she sacrificed music for me. So, and then like every time, like whenever she'd play music to me, she'll do a little performance for me. She'll be singing in the kitchen, she'll be singing in like on the streets, like put me to bed. And I think in a way, I really got, I guess a performer my spirit from my mother. In terms of like getting serious with music, I moved to, I migrated to so-called Australia when I was 15. And I didn't speak almost a word of English. And let me be honest, I was a popular kid.
0: <laughs>
1: in Japan, I was yep. funny, I was friendly, you know, social thing wasn't my problem. there was some other problems and when I migrated I couldn't be a funny kid I couldn't be a understanding good listener I couldn't be I I found it really really hard to connect with people without words and also cultural differences and that's when I got obsessed with music because um I don't know my high school just had a good music program and you know my high school teacher would just like get me out of like English class where we were reading Shakespeare and I couldn't even say hello, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then like my music teacher would be like, we need El Shmada to fix this problem in the music room. And mm. then he'd always just let me explore music.
2: It's kind of almost like like that was you know, in in a land in in like a new foreign land, like that was that was the language that was able to kind of connect. Hundred percent, hundred
1: percent. Yeah, I think music became the communication tool, mm. and for that, I think that never changed. Like, um, I guess you know, being able to play music and being able to connect with people, like my classmates in high school, genuinely. I feel like being a professional music, like the core of it, it's really dif- like the same. Like when I stand on stage now, yeah, just the music is just a communication tool. And when I'm writing music, I'm trying to communicate something that's just in my mind into something that we can all share. Yeah. Mm,
0: absolutely. So while the consistency there is that the music is at the core of everything, there has definitely been an evolution for you in terms of, how you access genre and the way that you go through sound because obviously uh, from the start it wasn't necessarily incorporating the the drum and bass and things like that. So uh, at what point in your progression did you start to sort of meld those different um, aspects of genres into the music that you make?
1: I think I haven't quite arrived yet and like music is like exploration and like a journal entry. I'm still moving and often people find it hard to define me in a genre. Um, for me, like the biggest influence is my own culture, but I also am so well aware that I borrow and take and appropriate a lot of cultures as well, like especially of, of African-American and also like London um, black music. And I feel like um, correcting all this music I don't feel right quite like just copying it and making it, especially, you know, I get paid to play music and I don't feel quite right like just taking somebody's like music and then making it mine and selling it. Um, So that's probably why like music, my music is not so like genre specific because I haven't quite found... Um, a medium of a genre where I can communicate everything I want to communicate through from maybe my own traditional culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of spiritual side of it comes from my upbringing and my mm-hmm. culture and stories that I tell is always related to it and I am an international person you know I've moved I migrated and I traveled and those are the influences that i've gathered
0: the music is something for you that is ever evolving and the 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 genre is something for you that you're constantly accessing new areas within that is there something for you that you feel is is calling to you for the next release because we've Listen to the new tracks uh, that you. Uh, sorry, new track singular that you put out with What's Pistol, and it's it's uh, a little bit different from Home Doesn't Equal Location, which we'll talk about as well. Uh, I'm interested to hear what's kind of calling to you at the moment.
1: Sure. Well, I just finished an album actually, and I don't know when <laughs> that comes out. I guess that's a part of a reason I'm at south by southwest, Sydney, mm. to try and find a home for it. But the next album is really, really different. It's really honest, I think my first album was about trying to find a sense of home and belonging in so-called Australia as a migrant. And yeah, I just wanted to, you know, explore this concept of can we or as a migrant, as a settler colonizer or as First Nation person or as anyone, can we as a human being find a sense of home? where we are at physically without taking away the power from the First Nation people who has been so, there's been so much theft in this country mm. um, and so much blood in this country. And I was like, am I even allowed to feel like I want to feel at home, mm. not being from here? And I was like, you know what I do, but I can't be from a concept of theft and then so like I started looking like listing like hundreds and hundreds way of like how I could feel at home without being at the youth radio being a bad person (laughs) 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 Mm -hmm. and and I found so many ways I find home in like music I find home in community I find home in this conversation like I barely know you too but I do feel quite homely in these conversations. Uh, I'm, and,
2: glad, I'm glad to hear it. I'm
1: you gl- know, and so many ways, like sense of smell. But because it was such a large concept, my first album was like really conceptual and slightly academic. And this mm. uh, next album is going to be a lot more like train of thoughts, like mm. from my heart to to your ears, like straight. Yeah. It's going to be raw and emotional and maybe through writing the first album, I feel now strong enough to not have to prove the whole spectrum of me, but just the mm. me in this moment. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well,
2: it's, it's, let me just say, well, well, firstly, like, Home home Doesn't Equal Location was such a brilliant album. Like, I really, as someone who's kind of moved around, like, in my kind of life, my childhood, everything about that album just your general message really resonates because... I, it's a question I'm always asking because you know you, you end up leaving a place um, for whatever reason then you go back and say like, well I'm not quite you know me being from the UK I'm not I'm not quite that British anymore mm. but I'm not still quite Australian and what even is Australian and I've been that. so it's, it's I really resonate with it and um, just jumping back a bit to what you said even about how in your genres you feel you don't really feel necessarily at home at a genre because you're aware and sensitive of wanting to respect where those come from I think Part of the appeal and one of the things I find really exciting about you both um, sonically and, and um, and I guess, philosophically, whatever the word might mm-hmm. be, is that you very much have, from what you've told me and from what I understand, you've had an experience of being a scholar of the world. And I think that that as a, as a listener, that's kind of the ultimate through line, which is why even as you explore different genres, there's still a coherence. Mm. And... Um, I'm supposed to be really excited for, for um, album number two whenever
0: that drops. I'm really, really keen.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: I've got something to ask you about actually uh, regarding Home Doesn't Equal Location, but also regarding the, the music that you've got coming up. You're, you're speaking about honesty. And in Home Doesn't Equal Location, there, there's quite a few sections of the songs where you're accessing the, the spoken word and you're doing the poetry Uh, Earlier today, we had an interview with artists called GAC and they're also um, English is not their first language and they also have that like bilingual side to them. And, And an observation that they made, which I'd like to bring to this conversation, is that they thought when they access English and when they when they put English on a track, everything kind of becomes a lot more simple. And everything mm-hmm. kind of come becomes a lot more honest because of it because you're not speaking uh-huh. in flowery ways you're just saying what's being said uh-huh. do you feel like that's something for you as well that you're able to access just the truth of something that you're trying to say by the simplicity of how you're saying it
1: i think yes totally and that's a great question i think uh, my mother tongue is japanese and i also have an indigenous mother tongue of japan northern japan which i don't really speak for so many colonial reasons really. Mm. Um but Japanese I feel really emotionally honest um because I moved to so called Australia at like 15, you know. I kinda got to be the kid that got to say whatever she mm. wanted to say, you know? Mm. And but I really like this English because like English is not does not really belong to anyone. Like, you know, Asian English, and there's like Londoner English, there's like, you know, there's Padua's, there's like areas of like even like Westside Melbourne and Southside Melbourne, we speak different. And if you're Asian or you know, if you are of different socioeconomics or mm. you speak different, and we all make this, uh, currently a common language that we have um, throughout the Grove. Our own, and I think it's so. I don't know. I think it's so interesting and cool. It's, and
2: it, it's kind of almost like obviously colonialism didn't do a lot of good things, but one of the good sides about it is that it kind of erased that ownership, at least in a mm-hmm. Western sense. Was it's like it's not like anybody can gatekeep English.
1: Totally. You know? I mean, we learned their language, like you know, they didn't take our spies they didn't take our. Anyway, <laughs> that's beside the point. But I think um, in English, I feel free in certain way because I'm communicating to a, a very large side of the world. Mm. And yeah, I feel free. Mm. I don't know if I feel honest in English as much because I really had to kind of lie to myself a lot in this mm. country as well. Mm. But
2: Well, um, it's interesting to hear so it makes a lot of sense. Um, but also you know with you being here for for you know five plus years and um, but like you also you've mentioned community um uh, and then you've also very close with your collaborators like you collaborate with like rara Zulu mm-hmm. who we've gotten to, to meet and uh, chat with personally you know um obviously um quartz pistol as well mm-hmm. and um you know even though maybe um so-called australia and and, and the things that came with that transition made you food could be honest obviously you, you've been with people who you can be honest with can you tell us can you share a little bit of insight about what it was what's what it's been like connecting with your collaborators and your friends and and what that what that brought you when you met them what it brings you when you create music now and and how it might differ perhaps from when you're creating by yourself or creating when you're traveling overseas and all that
1: i really found a beautiful beautiful like friendship in all of my collaboration for me it's like I don't have my um, black family, genetic family in um, so-called Australia, so I really had to rely on my people, and that also opened up the doors for them to do the same with me. And I think we eat together. Uh, That's really important. I think like music is some of the purest things that I found at least uh, in terms of like how we connect with people and you know, if you're a musician listening in or tuning in, like, collaboration is not something that you do for, like, to gain followers or to, like, you know, all that stuff. I think collaboration is really just eating together, getting to know each other so deep that you trust each other with our music and our voice, you know? Yeah, and if you get some followers, that's great. Do follow me on Instagram. Uh (laughs)
0: Yes, please do. Go ahead.
1: Um, At Shimada, that's spelled E-L-L-E-S-H-I-M-A-D-A. Yes. But, you know, I guess, like, more than the followers and things like that, I'd love to connect with you in real life, outside of the airwaves. And sometimes we do have, like, old age events, um, things like that, and you know, you can keep updated on, on those social media things. And yeah, Absolutely. anytime you feel like uh, you can't come talk to me because I'm a person on the stage, Like, remember, you can always come talk to me. Yeah.
0: I uh, I wanted to speak as well. We'll come back to some of that conversation too because it's very valuable. Earlier, you mentioned the way that different um, people access English and, and obviously with that, there comes different slang different yeah different dialects different dialogue that comes forward from that too when you collaborate with people like rara zulu when you collaborate with people like quartz pistol how do you um creatively kind of find the middle ground with each other and what you're trying to say from track to track like how does that come forward in that process
1: often non-musical things are there first for example uh my our latest single about Blanc, uh featuring Rara Zulu. Rara's hook came first. We were just having a conversation about like not having a place where we can be heard for, for who we are as an Asian women and as a black woman. Like how we can be just us, not nicer or not tougher. We can be just us and then be heard and be respected. And it's hard to find these spaces. And we were just like, Uh, I guess going through it together and like you know we don't go through the same things but we also do have a lot of same experiences together and we're just chatting about it and comforting each other and big ups in each other and Rara Zulu who is an incredible vocalist when she speaks it sounds like songs and I was like wait hold on a minute let me record that you know keep talking but just, just go back there, like, just say that, let me capture that, and, you know. So, yeah, I guess, like, the real-life stuff came before the music, but also I think someone like Rara, her voice is her instrument, and I think, to me, I, like, she's one of my best friends because I really like hearing her voice. <laughs> like, it inspires me um, to write, yeah. 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 No and sh- with Coats Pistol, like, um, she's also some of the closest friends and, like, she was the first producer, like, electronic music producer women I got to be really close with. Like, there's a lot of amazing producers around, but, like, when we were in our early 20s to find each other was so inspiring and affirming and uh, we lived together. Uh, Well, she moved into the house I was living in. And ever since, yeah, I think she's like such a big inspiration to me because she is an incredible visionary musician, but she's also, her other job is taking care of like natural world. So she is like, um, oh man, English. Uh, She's a a
2: conservationist.
1: Conservationist. And I think that's so cool. I don't know. And so like, yeah. I think a lot of times collaboration comes with friendship first for me. When I'm traveling, that friendship may be a one-day thing, but i still trying to get to know them as well as I can. Yeah.
2: It's really, it's really nice to kind of hear how much kind of friendship and that kind of heart and soul is so much a part of what you do, and it really makes sense with your upbringing as well. Kind of coming up in like a small, tight community until you moved, and then I guess in a way, just trying to replicate what you had. In a really unique way, um, back when you were being raised in Tokyo, and I guess with that, I, I'm curious to know, who, like, how, how do you like, like, if you could kind of go into a bit of how you came, up, like, what are some of the values and some of the experiences that you had being raised in 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 Tokyo, um, particularly in that very special context, because um, because like, if correct me if I'm wrong, you started in in like a, in a, like a kind of a community housing, and then you moved while in mm-hmm. Tokyo to another place where your parents had an artistic warehouse <laughs> Wow, a-
1: you did your research thank <laughs> you so much man well, oh
2: of course of course we had to but and it, it just it's 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 such a that's such an incredible journey and 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 then for you to go to New York and then mm. and then to come here like i'm curious well, to well
1: community housing sounds really a lot nicer than the government flats i grew up in right, um yeah. But it is actually probably the, some of the most community housing ever mm. in society. It's like where we are all broke. <laughs> mm. And we're all kind of similar kind of broke because there's broker and there's <laughs> richer as well, you know. So I grew up with like so many children around me and uh, so many shared meals and shared responsibility. None of us had complete pictures where I grew up like. Someone was missing a mother someone was missing school lunch fees someone was missing I don't know outfits and someone was missing like half a shoe I don't know mm. and I had a basketball and another friend had a board game you know mm. um, and in adult society it was exactly like that as yeah. well and I think I really grew was like blessed to grow up with being so happy to give and being so okay to receive. Mm -hmm. And that really um, helped me, I guess, carry that spirit into music making as well. Mm. And I never wanted to be accepted. Like, I just like, I think when I moved and then realized I was the only Asian kid or something, I didn't want to be accepted. I wanted to have my own thing and be respected.
2: Mm. Mm. See, it's it's a shame we only have like half an hour because there are so many <laughs> there are so many things I want to expand on.
1: Totally, but it's, and then mm. like I think that feeling is the reason why I chose my collaborators and they chose me mm. is because we all mm. share that value of like wanting to be ourselves and be respected but not be accepted by a. Um, mm. a, a wider society. And we've like been so grassroots with this mm. for so long. Mm. Coming to South by mm. Southwest and like industry event scared me to be entirely honest. Mm. But I think because we've been doing this for so long, now we're ready for it because we know who we are. And I know my people got my back and mm. I know I've got their back. So I feel like I feel grateful to ta- have taken a longer journey to get to the industry. So that I know myself to mm. know what I'm presenting. Like I know mm. the things that's been offered to me. I know what I want and mm. I know what I don't want. And I think for young people listening in, I think take your time and really know what you want. And like that won't come really, mm. probably for a lot of people until a little bit later. Mm. And that's okay. Like mm. take your time and really nurture your vision, nurture your dream, and don't give up, you know? Well,
2: that touches on something that we spoke on off-air that I've been really keen to kind of explore further. In your upbringing, you were kind of blessed to be in a situation where you were allowed to, you had that room and that space and that community to kind of dream and to kind of actually explore in that sense. And one thing that you said that I completely agree with is that so many of us, when we're young in particular, we're not allowed to like we're not allowed to dream that big. We actually have to have that practicality practicality. There has to be some, you know, this job, that job, all that kind of stuff. And that's something that you've mentioned that you're obviously it's it's been a part of your whole life and it expresses it fully in what you're doing now. Incredible things, opening for Obongjaya, live, all that kind of stuff. But how does um you know, how are you kind of carrying that message forwards now in terms of like actually kind of like feeding back to the youth? Because I know that's something you're quite passionate about.
1: I think like dreams Nobody else but you, like nobody else but we are responsible for our dreams. Like not even our parents owe it to us. Like we have to protect it. We have to be the one to protect our dreams and our feelings and our creativity and things like that. Because we all got it. And yeah, nobody else will advocate for that. You know, and like maybe parents' job or teachers' job or something like that would be to set us up so we're okay. Mm. And, you know, they're doing their job. They actually care about us. But it's our job to nurture our dreams. Yeah. And yeah, I really believe in that. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. There's been a lot of talk here of uh, maintaining your individuality while also nurturing community. And um, that's something that very much has come forward with this conversation. And it sounds like that's something that's very much going to be explored in the upcoming release. Uh, unfortunately, we're probably going to have to wrap things up before things get really loud here. Uh, <laughs> but before we do that, once more, can you just let people know where people can find you? Um, if you have any news about when the next releases are coming out and any shows that you might be doing, we'd love to hear about that as well.
1: Sure. Um I'll actually be out of the country. I'm doing my first Asia tour. Oh,
0: congratulations. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Which has been so, I'm so excited about it. But um, for now, I have some new music coming through. You can find me anywhere if, you know, your platform is Spotify or Bandcamp or Radios or maybe Instagram or something like that. It's always El That's spelled (laughs) E-L-L-E-S-H-I-M-A-D-A. that was so fun no worries thank
0: you so much for coming on
1: and yeah thank you so much for having me